Welcome to the One Sacred Pause podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Winderall. This podcast is designed to bring real and raw conversations about spirituality into the forefront of living our yoga off the mat and in our businesses. Topics covered include insights into the yoga industry, teaching, wellness, Ayurveda, meditation, and entrepreneurship. Basically, all the topics we're interested in. Thanks for joining me. Now tune in and turn it up. Hello, and welcome back to the One Sacred Pause podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Winderall. So happy to have you here, friends. Today, we are talking about getting a job as a yoga teacher. How do you do it? What are some of the things that uh, you want to avoid? And yeah, how do you make your plan? So let's dive in. Okay, so you graduate your first yoga teacher training and you're so excited, you're ready to get out there, you're ready to get a job and start sharing all of your new knowledge and this is such an exciting time. It's like you're filled with inspiration, you're filled with optimism and you're just kind of chomping at the bit to get going and step into your new role as a yoga teacher. So what do you do? How do you start? So the first thing we need to think about is all the different places that you can teach yoga. So many people think that the only place to teach is at a yoga studio. And while that is kind of the more traditional place that we might be teaching, there's also a lot of other avenues to consider. And so if you're starting out as a yoga teacher, it's really important to not box yourself in with just a single expectation about what teaching might look like for you. And of course, as you get more experience and you start developing your skills and, and figuring out what you like to teach and how you want to show up in your community, then you might expand into other areas such as retreats or day, day retreats and workshops and maybe even teacher trainings. But the first point is to get your first job so that you can start building up that experience and continuing to refine your skills as a teacher. So we're going to talk first of all about uh, yoga studios, because this is what most people think of when they think of getting a yoga job. The most important thing when looking for a yoga studio position is you have to be practicing at the studio, you have to be in the community, and you have to be a student. So what this looks like is kind of exploring all the studios in your area, go and teach different classes, or I'm sorry, take different classes, try different teachers, kind of get a, a feeling for the vibe of the studio. Do you like the community there? Do you like how you feel when you are a student? Do you feel welcomed? Do you feel included? Do you feel like you could see yourself being part of that community? So once you've tried a couple of different studios and you've narrowed it down to your top one or two favorites, then you want to get a membership at that studio that's your top, that's your favorite place to practice and spend time. And as you start practicing more and more through your membership, you'll get to know the teachers, you'll get to kind of know some of the other students, and this is key to getting a job at a studio. Studios often get a lot of cold call emails. So this is a teacher who sends an email, probably is sending a bunch of emails to every studio in town. Hi, my name is so-and-so. I'm a 200-hour certified teacher, and I'd like to come teach at your studio. Uh, 
this will not fly. You will not get a job this way. I have been friends with so many. I know a lot of um, studio managers and the number of cold call emails that they get each week is pretty significant. And all of those emails will pretty much just be deleted you likely won't even get a response back. And I know in Oslo of at least one studio that used to include on their automatic email replies that uh, they are not hiring teachers. And if you're submitting an application to be a teacher, their roster is full because that's how many applications or cold, cold call emails they're getting that they just were cutting it off at the beginning and saying, no, we're not even accepting applications. So if you go this route, not only will your email be ignored, likely, um, you're not creating a good feeling or a good sensation about who you are as a person. If you are so disinterested in a studio that you can't even show up in person, why would the studio be interested in giving you an audition or talking further with you? So this brings me back to when you have a membership at the studio, And you're practicing regularly and you're getting to know people and talking with the teachers after class like, oh yeah, I just finished my teacher training and it's so cool to be here. I love coming and practicing here. Then they start to see your face. They start to recognize your practice and they they start to know who you are. And that makes them a lot more willing to give you a chance. So then when you feel ready to approach for a job, in the community that you have a membership and you're practicing regularly at, then you can talk to the manager or even one of the teachers and say, hey, you know, I'm really interested in getting a job. Do you guys have any openings? And the next step from there is probably they will arrange a uh, an interview. And an interview is a teaching interview. So you'll come in and you'll audition, do some sort of teaching class for them. I've been on auditions that were as short as 15 minutes where they just wanted to see, like, do you know what you're talking about? Do you have confidence in the shala? And then other times it'll be a full class. So when you come to your audition, you need to be prepared to teach and show up, be professional, ready to go. Then likely what'll happen after the audition, if they like you, is they'll put you on the sub list. So this is really important. Um, Many Studios often need substitute teachers. Teacher gets sick last minute, they're going on vacation, something else comes up, then they call somebody on the sub list. So if you're on that list, you've already been vetted, you've already had your audition, this is your foot in the door. So say yes to as many subbing positions as possible. And here's the thing with substitute teaching. It's often going to be inconvenient. It's often going to be close to last minute. Maybe you'll get a day notice, maybe not. They might it might just even be a few hours like, "Hey, somebody got really sick. Can you please come in?" And so you have to really be willing to create space in your schedule to show up and be like, "Of course, I'll be there. I'm so excited." And then be prepared to teach. So part of this is also planning your class before you need it. And this is one of my biggest piece of advice is to any new teacher, whether you're you know, looking to teach now or you're thinking you might teach in the next few months or the next year, well, maybe a year is a little far out, but um, sit down, plan a class, plan a playlist, have everything ready to go so that when you get a last minute call, you're not scrambling and freaking out. Oh my God, what do I do? I'm not prepared. You've already done the work. So then that takes a lot of the stress off of you and you're willing to say yes at a moment's notice. 
So then once you get on the sub list and you've been subbing for a long time, well, not a long time necessarily, but subbing regularly, then when the studio's creating their schedule for the next semester, so in Norway, studios often do semester schedules. So you want to be ready to take on a class at the next semester. And so they'll talk to you and be like, hey, what do you think? Do you want to join the schedule? And of course, you'll probably say yes. If you're in the U.S. or somewhere else, if you're in the U.K., um, studios often will do a rolling schedule. So that means that they might have more openings coming up regularly. But in Norway, usually it's pretty strict. They set the schedule each semester. So this is also very important to know if you're a new teacher in Norway. You can't just think you're going to get a job next week. Um, you might get a job offer next week, but the, the class probably won't start for several months or even six months. Uh, right now we're in January, so the new semester just started. So that means the next semester is probably not going to be starting until August. So now is the time to be approaching studios to get on their sub lists and thinking about, okay, teaching maybe in August if you want to teach at a studio. Then let's talk about privates. So teaching private classes, this is a great way to go, uh, but you have to have a way to access students and get your name out there to attract students to come to your private classes. So this is where the marketing piece becomes really important. And in this podcast, I'm not really going to go into the marketing too much, but um, having a newsletter would be a really great thing to have here, starting to collect emails of people who are interested in what you're teaching and, and then sending emails with really high-value content uh, about specific teaching things that your students would be interested in. So privates are great because you make more money. And as a teacher, of course, it's important to be thinking about the exchange of your energy and your time for the compensation that you get financially. And I've had other podcast episodes about this. I'm sure the topic will come up again, but you know, there is this like this legend in the yoga world that yoga teachers have to be poor and they can't make money and in fact, sometimes it's it's uncomfortable to talk about money because teaching yoga is seen as an act of service, which it totally is, but yoga teachers still have bills to pay and they still have to support themselves. So, talking about money goes hand in hand with talking about getting a yoga job. So teaching privates, you charge more, uh, which can be really great. But the trade-off is you're teaching a private student or maybe a couple. Often you go to their home. And so there's a safety concern there. You have to think about, are you comfortable going to someone's house? There's travel time involved. How long does it take you to get there? And if you're going to do privates, I really recommend doing packages. So you have like a single one-off. They're like, oh yeah, I want to try yoga. Uh, I just want one class. That would be your highest price point. And then maybe do a package of three privates and a package of five privates. And they get a deal as they go up in the class package, meaning the cost of each class goes down. But you're guaranteed income and you get that income up front. So that can be really attractive for a lot of students. And I know several teachers who've made really uh, great businesses teaching only private yoga classes. So if this is something you're interested in, I recommend doing a little research online. How do you tailor your classes to privates? What's the best way to approach it? Uh, you have to have an intake form. You have to have a conversation with your clients. What are they looking for? What can you teach them? 
Sometimes people will hire private yoga teachers because they're uncomfortable going to a public class for whatever reason. Either they're a new beginner and they feel insecure about doing the poses in a group and and feeling like they might be judged, or sometimes uh, it's a person who perhaps is overweight or has a disability and prefers to just have the teacher come to them. So there's a lot of considerations about how do you approach students who prefer to have private teachers. Then we can talk about corporate yoga classes. So this is also a really great route to go if you want to make more money, uh, which honestly, who doesn't? But corporate yoga classes are often seen as like the, the crown jewel of teaching because you can make so much more money and it's often even for shorter classes. So Corporate classes, you're hired by the corporation or the company to come in once a week, usually maybe twice a week, to teach the employees of that company yoga. And so this class is probably 45 minutes, maybe an hour, and you come in and you sometimes have to provide the props. So that's a consideration. Do you need to invest in like 10 yoga mats or blocks or straps? Or is the corporation going to provide those? And a lot of times these classes will be in like conference rooms where they push the tables to the side and move all the chairs out of the way. Your students might be showing up, you know, in some of their work clothes, so they're not even really, you know, prepared to sweat or move that much. And so teaching corporates also requires a a shift in how you present the information that you're teaching. Uh, Some people really enjoy teaching corporate clients. Um, others prefer not to. They'd rather be teaching people who are coming for more of the spiritual or philosophical elements of the practice. And when you're teaching corporates, one something that's super important to remember is you always want to tailor your teachings to the students in front of you. So if you're teaching corporate classes, you're probably not going to be chanting Om. You're not going to be talking with the Sanskrit terms. You're probably going to be talking more about the benefits of the practice and the benefits of breathing. Increased productivity, increased focus, reduced stress, like all of these things that corporate workers are probably going to be interested in as to the hook. Like why should they do yoga? What, what about it makes them feel better in their bodies, but also when they're working, especially since their bosses are paying for the yoga. Um, And usually that you bill monthly. So again, you know that you have some set income coming in for the month. So corporate classes, because they are prized by yoga teachers, those can be a little harder to get as a new teacher. And this is where networking comes in and is super important. And I'll talk more about networking and in general, how that can help you get classes or get you opportunities to teach. Uh, There are some corporations or um, organizations rather in Norway that organize specifically corporate yoga teachers. Um, So you can go online, you can research and find some of those. I did a podcast episode a few seasons ago uh, with one of those companies. So you can go back and look in my old podcasts about teaching corporates if that's something that excites you and interests you. Another way to teach yoga, which can be really intriguing for new teachers, is teaching at a community center or a space which you individually rent. 
So especially if you're teaching or you live in a smaller community, this might be um, a good option. So you find a place and you contact them. There's a lot of these community centers around and you rent the space from them directly. So maybe you do one class a week. Maybe you do one day a week. Maybe you do three nights a week. Totally up to you and and what you decide with them. So you would pay the community center for whatever their rental fee is up front, probably monthly. And then that space is yours. So now it's up to you to market your classes and get people in the door. And this can be hard too. So having a marketing plan for yourself, your newsletter, your social media, in order to let your students know that you're there, printing flyers, putting them at the community center, putting them anywhere where people might see them can be a really good idea. So what's great about teaching at a community center, though, is you get to keep all of the profits. So whatever you charge for your class, whether you're going to do a drop-in, which I honestly don't recommend, I think doing drop-ins if you're renting a space at a community center is a little dicey because you're probably, um, it's harder to predict your income. So it's going to fluctuate a lot more. You might have a class where one person shows up and you might have a class where 10 people show up. So this is where doing a package is a really good idea if you're working for yourself, renting a space, or even in your home. I know teachers who, if they have a space in their home that's appropriate to do yoga for five or six people, they might market to their neighborhood or to their friend group or people that they, if they're part of a club, maybe to their club, to come once a week to their home. That's, of course, depending on your comfort level. But whether you're teaching from your home or a space that you rent, I really recommend doing like a course. So a four-week course, a six-week course, an eight-week course, and you pre-book those. So people pay upfront for whatever amount you've decided to charge. And they know that if they miss a week or a session, they just miss it. Like there's nothing to be made up. They don't get a refund. They've booked for that course and they show up or they don't show up. That's up to them. But for teachers, this is really important because it guarantees your income and you're paid up front. So you know what you're going to be making. And then you can balance that out off of whatever your rental fee is, whatever paid advertising you might be doing, any of your other costs that you would have for teaching. So there are, of course, other places that you can teach. Um, These are the four main ones that I think are probably the most common where teachers are going to be teaching. So yoga studios, teaching privates where you go to their home, corporates where you go to the corporation, and community centers where you are renting the space by yourself and promoting your own classes. But of course, you can get really creative. We all know online yoga, booming, such a great way to get students and to promote yourself. Um, One of the things that I think is a little tricky, though, about teaching online, uh, at least in Norway, is collecting payments. So a lot of teachers will collect payments through VIPs, and this can be problematic because unless you have a POS, a um, purchasing system, which is like a physical system where somebody would read a credit card, um, you can't easily run a business VIPs account. So then that means that the VIPs that you're getting paid goes directly into your personal account. 
this is a big problem for the government. Um, anytime we are collecting payments as yoga teachers, it has to be going through uh, a separate account, keeping our finances separate so that there's not like, oh, that's our coffee that we got today for breakfast. And now, oh, that's my payment for my yoga class. And oh, that's the, the you know, new bag I bought. We have to keep everything separate. And maybe I'll do an episode in the future on on how to do and get organized financially for yoga teachers, but that's just a little nugget for you to think about. Um, I personally, my recommendation, if you are running courses for a community center or a space that you're renting, uh, send facturas. Keep it super simple, super clean. The amount is high enough if you're doing a four to eight week course that it justifies sending a factura uh, or an invoice. Uh, rather than kind of being wishy-washy about collecting payments like here or there, oh yeah, I'll just send it to you. And uh, we want to, as yoga teachers, always, no matter where we teach or how we teach, we always want to present ourselves professionally. We always want to be organized and make sure that we know what's happening in our business. And I talk about this a lot in my teacher trainings and also on my podcast. If you are teaching yoga, then you are running a business. And you have to think of yourself that way as a business owner and take yourself seriously in that role. Otherwise, what can happen, and I have seen this so many times, both in the U.S. and Norway, uh, where (laughs) you just kind of forget about the details and kind of like, oh, yeah, I'll fix it later. Oh, yeah, I'll do it later. And this is where a lot of yoga teachers have a bad reputation for being flaky or being wishy-washy or being too woo-woo. Like, um, I want to encourage you, if you're teaching yoga, to take yourself a bit more seriously and your role as a business owner more seriously. So stay organized. Get educated about how you run your finances and how you are managing everything. And this goes for all teachers, not just those who are making a lot of money or teaching full-time. If you're teaching just even a single class a week, get organized because you never know what's going to happen in the future. Maybe you're going to start to teach more classes. Maybe you're going to start picking up four or five classes a week and start making more money. And if you already have those good habits and those good protocols and organization skills in place, then it's going to make scaling your business or growing your business a lot easier. So let's see, teaching online, as I said, a big place to look for jobs. Um, You can also think of other ways to brainstorm, teaching at churches, teaching at schools. There's a lot of exciting things I know happening in a lot of clubs, like if you're part of a sports club or um, combining hobbies with yoga. So I've seen workshops that are knitting and yoga kayaking and yoga, writing and yoga, art and yoga. So if you have a passion in something else outside of yoga, maybe create a specialty event. That would be really cool. And that can be a great way too to start to get your name out there and and get people to become knowledgeable about you as a teacher. So don't limit yourself to thinking that yoga studios are the only place to look for a job. Although of course, that is a great place to work. And Building your student base from a studio is easier than building it yourself, but teaching's teaching. And if you're a yoga teacher, you do it because you love it. So think outside the box, get creative, 
maybe even brainstorm with some of your friends, like, oh, what would be cool? What could we do? Or what should you do? Or what should I do? And um, I know for myself, when I have these brainstorming meetings with my friends, teacher friends, it's always super inspiring. And it gives me fresh energy to keep going and keep thinking and keeping like, okay, cool. What next? What else? How could I do this differently? And so that kind of brings me to my next general point, which is regardless of where you teach, if you're teaching, you have to be networking. You have to be in the community. You have to be meeting other teachers and talking with other teachers and getting to know other teachers because this is great, first of all, personally, because yoga is more fun with friends, but also it's important professionally because this is where you're going to hear about a lot of upcoming job opportunities. So I'm not saying networking just to be like, okay, what can I get from you? Because that's gross. But networking to stay inspired, to stay connected, to stay motivated. Teaching yoga can be a really lonely job. And I don't think enough people talk about that. It is something that you do by yourself in general, you're you're doing all your planning at home, you're practicing your classes at home, you're doing your emails at home. And when you come in to teach, sometimes there will be someone else at the studio, another teacher or the studio manager, or um, but a lot of times not. You'll just come in and teach and leave. And if you're teaching at a community center, you're by yourself. You show up, you open the space, you teach, you close the space. If you're teaching privates, it's just you. You show up at the house, you teach your clients, you go home. If you're teaching corporates, it's just you. You show up, you meet maybe your person who's your um, meeting contact, but maybe not. Maybe you just go into the room, teach your class, and then go home. And so having a community of people who have the same job as you, who understand the challenges of teaching yoga and the unique situation of this career can be really important to keep you feeling connected and keep you feeling excited about this job. One of the biggest problems I see, uh, which happens to pretty much every single yoga teacher I know, myself included, after you've been teaching for a while, especially if you're teaching many classes a week or even teaching full-time, you start to get burnt out. You're just teaching, 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 and what happens is your personal practice begins to slip, especially if you're teaching at numerous different locations and you're going, okay, on Monday mornings I'm here and then Monday afternoons I go there and Monday night I'm there. A lot of your time gets burnt up in transportation. So if you're teaching on at studios at different sides of the city or you have one corporate and then you go to one private and then you go to the studio or whatever configuration your job looks like, it burns a lot of energy and it will burn you out unless you stay excited about the job. And the best way to stay excited about the job I have learned is to have yoga friends, other yoga teachers that you can talk to and be like, oh, cool, what are you up to? And what's going on? And oh yeah, how are things going? And oh, you know what? I had this situation in class the other day. I'm not sure if I handled it right. What do you think? A sounding board, people that you can, can really like chat with about what this job looks like. So networking in that sense. And then when you start to make these friends in your yoga community, then you start to hear about jobs or often what happens with corporates, they get inherited. So somebody will be like, oh yeah, you know what? I'm working too much. I'm going to drop a corporate. Um, I thought of you. Are you interested? 
And then you could say, oh, yeah, of course, I'd love that. Or no, no, I'm, I, I can't do it at that time. But keep me in mind for any future classes you're going to get rid of or give up. Um, or privates. Like, I've given away privates before where, oh, yeah, I was working with this couple and, you know, they live too far away from me. I don't want to do that long commute. So I'm, I'm looking for somebody I can recommend to them to take over the job. Are you interested? So you're not going to get these opportunities if people in the community don't know that you're teaching and what you teach and who you are as a teacher and what you offer as a teacher. So as you're networking, that goes hand in hand with staying a student. So if you get a job at a studio, you're also going to have a free membership. So you can practice for free at that studio. And you want to take advantage of that. You want to be practicing. You want to be in the community that you're teaching in. I know a lot of teachers who make this mistake. They never practice at the studio they teach in. They just show up to teach and go home. And when you're practicing regularly in general, this is of course important. Like you have to, <laughs> you have to do what you're teaching. You have to do yoga, whether that's asana or meditation or pranayama or whatever it is, in order to teach that. You can't just do one yoga teacher training and be like, oh, I've learned it all. I'm ready to go and stop practicing. So staying a student, going to classes. And also when you're going to classes, guess what? You're supporting the other teachers. You're showing up for them. And it is so fun as a teacher when you show up to teach somewhere. So I'm talking more studios or maybe a community center, but uh, or gyms. We didn't even talk about gyms. That's another great place to teach. But when a yoga teacher friend of mine shows up to my class, it's so fun. It's so cool. It makes me feel good. I'm like excited to see them. And it just gives you a little extra boost as a teacher. And so when you're the student who shows up for somebody's class, they get excited. They're happy to see you and they feel good. And you know what? They remember that. And so that builds that relationship with these other teachers even more. So go to class, stay a student, and not even just at the studio that you are teaching at or you're a member at or the gym that you teach at. Pay for a drop-in, go to another studio, go to another teacher's class, be looking at the studios in your community. So how many studios are there? What are the teachers? Who are the, Who's teaching? Like, I always go and look at the teacher bios. Um, so for anybody listening who's a teacher in, in Oslo or Trondheim or Bergen, sometimes in Bergen, not everybody, but or not all the studios. I've probably read your bio. I've probably looked at your classes. Unfortunately, since I live in Hempstead and I'm not able to take class in those communities as much as I'd like to, I've definitely wanted to come to your classes, that's for sure. And so going and dropping in, saying hey to the teacher, supporting the teacher, and also keeping your practice going. Like this is a great way to be in the community. Okay, so the last thing I kind of want to talk about is once you get a job, so this is more for new teachers, but of course it's relevant for all teachers, um, stay humble. And this can be hard a little bit, not that you have like this huge ego, but it can be hard because this job is hard. And this job is very weird and different from any other job you can think of. So we often have to teach yoga at the times that other people are off work, 
So this is evenings, this is weekends. And as a new teacher, you're probably going to be offered the time slots that are less desirable. And you need to say yes. So what this means is beggars can't be choosers. If you want to be working as a yoga teacher, you kind of have to start at the bottom. And then as you get more experience, as you grow a bigger student base, then perhaps you'll have a bit more flexibility with the times that you choose. But, you know, understanding from the get-go, like you're going to have to make some sacrifices if you want to be a yoga teacher. And if you come out of your first 200-hour teacher training with big demands saying, oh, well, I can only work these times on these days and, you know, I want to work during the day so I can be home at, on the nights and the weekends. I mean, guess what? Everybody wants to be home on nights and weekends, but yoga teachers don't have that luxury. And so I've seen this so many times and it kind of drives me a little crazy when a new teacher thinks that they're going to be able to have this, you know, first of all, have a full-time job teaching only during the days. Like, that's just not realistic. I've been teaching for a really long time and have an established yoga business, and I still have to teach at night on weekends. And that's just part of the gig. So I, I think it's important for new teachers, especially to think about this and be like, okay, do I want to be a yoga teacher? Like, yeah, it's super fun and it seems really cool, but the reality of the job is you have to show up at weird times. You might have to miss out on your friend's birthday party. You might have to say no to that cool weekend trip so that you can stay and teach the class that you committed to because you decided to be a yoga teacher. And so you have to take the jobs that you get offered and put in the hard work do the grind in the beginning of your career. And then later on, you'll have a bit more flexibility. But that doesn't come right away, usually, for most teachers. You have to kind of be willing to do the grunt work and take the, the time slots that nobody else wants. So, you know, to anybody listening, if you're a new teacher, you're thinking about becoming a yoga teacher, this is something to really consider. Does your current lifestyle allow you to make those kinds of sacrifices? Or even more correctly, are you willing to make those kinds of sacrifices? And if the answer is no, that's totally fine. Like, it's not a big deal. Just you know that about yourself. Or perhaps, you know, maybe you have one day off a week or whatever, and you're like, oh yeah, sure, I can pick up one class on Friday mornings at nine in the morning. But in general, it's unrealistic to think that you could teach uh, a full schedule of classes just during the day, Monday through Friday. Like, it doesn't work that way. So, something to think about. And I also want to mention, because this is also a big thing that people are often unsure of when they take their first teacher training, uh, friends, don't quit your day job. Please, 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 don't quit your day job. You have to build up your business first. So, I already mentioned, especially if you're wanting to teach at studios, that, you know, in Norway, we're on a semester system. So, you know, it might be several months before you actually start teaching at the studio. And then it'll be a month after that before you get your first paycheck. And it's very hard to just all of a sudden quit your day job and then have a full-time yoga job that's going to supplement the income that you had before. So the best way to do this, there's two options. Option one, save up a bunch of money 
And then if you want to quit your day job and you know that you have enough money in the bank to live off of for eight months um, while you're getting your yoga business up and running, great, you could do that. Or option two, which is probably more realistic for most people, is start slow. Pick up one or two classes a week. Keep your day job. So yes, that does mean you're going to be working more than, you know, in Norway, 37.5 hours or in the U.S., 40 hours. But that's how you do it. And then as you start to get more students coming in and the studios get to know you more or you're teaching workshops maybe or you're getting privates on the side and corporates on the side, then you can start to back off. Um, I know a lot of people in Norway, they they take their 100% job down to 80% or down to 60%. So they, they keep their corporate job or their full-time job 60% and then they're you know supplementing with four yoga classes a week and one corporate continuing to build up and build up and build up until they're ready to make that leap, until they know that they have viability in generating income as a yoga teacher. And I know it's hard because you're so excited and you're so like inspired and ready to just like get out there and teach yoga, but it's a bad idea. Um, This is why most yoga teachers who do this end up within six months going back and getting another full-time regular job. And then they have a sour taste in their mouth about teaching yoga because they're like, oh, that was so hard. That didn't work for me. Why didn't that work? I, I see my friends teaching yoga and I couldn't get a job. And there's a lot of things that go into it. Timing. Who do you know? How are you presenting yourself as a teacher? Are you doing those cold called emails? Or are you in the community and have a membership at a studio? And you know, people, when I give them the, this advice about the membership at a studio, they're always like, oh, but I can't do that. I can't afford to have a membership at every studio in town. And I'm not saying that. I'm saying pick your favorite. Get one membership. And if that's outside the reach for you financially, uh, what a lot of studios do is they have a karma cleaning program. So you can individually speak to the manager and say, hey, I really want to come practice here. Um, I'd love to have a membership, but... I can't really afford it. Is there any way we could do a trade where I come in once or twice a week for a few hours to clean the studio or do whatever they need help with in exchange for a free membership? So that can be a foot in the door. If you're a new teacher, but you don't have a lot of money, you know, become part of the karma crew. And then guess what? You're also creating a relationship with that studio, not just through the membership or being a student, but you're also now part of the team. And so that's going to help you get a job perhaps. Okay. So my final, final thought, I always say that my last thought, my final thought, and then I talk for another 20 minutes. But um, my final thought here is if you are interested in making yoga your full-time job, First of all, you have to understand it's going to take some time. You're not going to be able to do it overnight. And you have to be willing to work really hard and work the crap times that nobody else wants to work. You're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to be going from here to there all over town. Um, You're going to have to put a lot of work in with your marketing and your social media. But the job is so fun. And you make such great friends and you meet so many wonderful students. And it really feeds your soul on a whole different level that you know, it kind of balances out the grunt work of the job that people don't see on the back end, that they don't see because you're doing it at home alone on your computer um, or you're alone sitting on the tram or on the train or in my case, on the plane. But, you know, really being realistic about what would this look like for you. And 
also considering your lifestyle. How much money do you need to live? Like, what are your bills? What, you know, what does it cost to pay your rent or your mortgage? And what's your lifestyle? And you can, as a full-time yoga teacher, have a sustainable income. That's absolutely true. But you also have to be realistic about what your lifestyle is. If you have a very extravagant lifestyle, then working as a full-time yoga teacher, at least in the beginning, might not meet your expectations. Um, If you are getting by on a lower salary, then becoming a full-time yoga teacher is probably going to be just fine. And in fact, maybe even better. Um, You can make, at least in Norway, compared to the US, um, in Norway we make a lot more (laughs) teaching yoga than we do in the US, which is kind of embarrassing to say for my American yoga teacher friends, Um, but that's the reality. Uh, But also our cost of living in Norway is so much higher. So it kind of balances out in that way. But being realistic about how much money you need, how much money you can make, and then here's the best piece of advice for any yoga teacher is diversify. So you need to be teaching different types of classes, generating income through different revenue streams. So teaching just at studio classes, say you were teaching 12 classes a week, 12 to 15, 15 is at the, what I would say is the very high range, but 12 to 15 yoga classes a week, you could get by, you could pay your bills, you could live on, assuming you didn't live the super extravagant lifestyle. People are like, whoa, 12 to 15 classes, that's nothing. But actually, there's a lot of extra work that you don't see that goes into each of those classes. That becomes a full-time job in that amount of time. Um, I do know teachers who teach 17, 20 classes a week. And personally, I think that's a little insane. Um, You can only do that for so long before you really get burnt out. Uh, personal practice is out the window. Personal time is out the window. Social life out the window. And so I really don't recommend teaching more than like 12 studio classes a week. Um, but then you also need to be mixing in a couple of privates. If you could have two privates a week, if you could have two corporate classes a week, and then your studio classes, you actually can make a decent living off of that. So Then maybe you start throwing in some workshops, which is you get even more money for. Um, You do a split with the studio, and depending on how many students come, that's what you get paid for that class. Uh, Maybe you start with a day retreat. That's a great way to generate more income. Maybe you're doing uh, special classes online on top of your other classes. That's extra income. So again, coming back to the idea of thinking outside of the box, being creative, and not being afraid to go for it. Okay, so that is it, friends. Go for it. And yeah, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to go for becoming a yoga teacher. Don't let yourself be limited by your doubts, by your fears, by your insecurities. And stay a student. Be in the community. Make yoga friends. Don't quit your day job. And work hard. Stay humble. All right, that's it. That's all. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. And please, if you like the podcast, share it with your friends, subscribe to it on iTunes or Spotify, um, rate it, leave a review. Uh, This is something I do just from my heart that I love. I don't get paid for it. And so your support really, really means a lot. So thank you and have an awesome day. Bye-bye.